This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week I spoke with Hendo. Hendo's been on the podcast a few times and it's the international break which is always a time for two things, reflection and drama. This week we had a look at a few things that have been happening over the last few weeks. We had a look at where we are in the market in terms of the cycles and Asia, America, under 23s, eligibility, World Cups coming, all sorts of stuff. I hope you enjoy it. Hendo, welcome back to the podcast. This must be your third or fourth? Third time? I don't know. Third, I think, yeah. Um, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Part of a very elite list. I don't actually know who's <laughs> been here three times, but I don't think it's that many people. So just to, to let people, it's, it's like the international break. In my head, I've kind of switched off from football and want to be like that for another 10 days or so. Um, I think when you're making content as well and you are all go all year round, this is my time to just be like, nah, I'm away on holiday for a week as well. But... Yeah, it, there's there's not a lot happening, but we're going to rant about so rare for an hour. Sounds good to me. I will just sort of preface, uh, international break's usually terrible for everybody, uh, but for Scotland fans, it's actually been not too bad recently um, because we're actually okay now. So hmm. uh, we've got a couple of games away on Wed- well, we're at home on Wednesday to Ukraine. Uh, we've got Republic Ireland on uh, Saturday, 7.45 kickoff, that one. Should be messy. However, I am going over to Poland for the Ukraine away game. So mm. our flight's at 7am on Sunday, so I think I'll be taking it easy. Because uh, <laughs> that sounds like four hours <laughs> four hour sleep tops. So I'll be yeah. over there. I've got tickets for the game and everything. So this international break is actually a busy one for me. So I'm looking forward to it. Maybe not on the Sorier uh, side of things, though. Yeah, I don't have many teams midweek, whatever else. Do you know what? In a really weird way, baseball's actually like... Not even not even from like a watching a perspective. I did watch um, Mookie Betts and Trey Turner at the bat the other day because I was going to bed and I thought I'd check it out. But like baseball's kind of getting me through this wee slow period. And I think basketball's going to be a big, big thing um, just for like something else to do in, in traditional kind of football off seasons and whatever else. But yeah, just like a, a store week, but plenty to discuss. Uh, we have a few topics here we're going to bring up and, and kind of get stuck into too. But internationally, right? Do you know what gets me as an Irishman? And there's a lot of Irish people who listen to this, and there'll be a lot of people from all over Europe who have amazing teams. Um, I'm just raging we're so shit. Like, I don't I don't really even watch Ireland games anymore. It's just like, there's not even one player that I want to watch. There's only so many times you can watch Aidan McGeady or, um, what do you call your man again? James McLean, just butcher across. Like, I, I miss the days when we had a Robbie Keane or a Roy Keane or a Damien Duff or a... Even a Shea Given. Give me a Shea Given. Do you know? That's the, that's where I'm at. Got got to watch through the bad times though, mate. You know, Scotland have had so I get many that. so I many get so that. many defeats against like your Kazakhstans and your Georgias and all these mad places. Um, and then you go and beat like a Denmark, for example. Was it that game where Shea Adams scored and stuff? It was a dead rubber, albeit. But you're beating mm. a team who are sort of top ten in the world, still full of talent, still had a good team out. Um, obviously, we got scudded off use, unfortunately. Um, was o- was over in Ireland for that one, so that was. Uh, I mean, the trip was great, but yeah. the game was slightly not. So, I mean, you just got to take the off with this move. But I mean, when it, when you're a Dunfermline fan, mate, um, it's it's pretty bad at club level as is. So, mm. international breaks just <laughs> more of the same, more punishment. Yeah, I I don't know. I just think like there's only so much punishment I can take. I think like from an, an, an Irish perspective, don't get me wrong, if we're ever at the Euros or at the World Cup or if there's a big qualifying game, 
I'll watch it, but I'm I'm very much like a a glory supporter. I'm not watching the old dodgy games against the bloody Romania of a Tuesday night in the <laughs> international friendlies or nation leagues. Do you know what I mean? It's just like nah. I think I treat international breaks these days as a bit of a break because I'm doing this and the FPL content and whatever else and. It's pretty full on, so I'm, I'm away for a week. I'm going to do a wee tour of Ireland. We were going to go to like try and find some sun and just decided it was too much hassle. So we've booked like six really nice hotels around Ireland and we're kind of going like, like I'm talking like really nice hotels, so like we probably won't even leave the hotels mm. and we're just going to go and live in luxury for a week. So that that's where I'll be if I'm absent in DMs or on Twitter, etc. But hand away. We've loads to talk about and nothing to talk about at the same time. <laughs> so just to bang out one or two quick things um, in terms of actual Surair announcements, and then we'll maybe rant about a few topics. But the Android app's out, which is a positive. But again, coleslaw and lasagna comes to mind, that old analogy. It's like great to have it, but probably should have had it a bit longer ago. Um, so yeah, it's here. Brilliant. Wonderful. Since we last spoke, um, the NBA's here. I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. Obviously, the last couple of episodes have been pretty NBA heavy, so I don't want to like talk about NBA too much, but like... Um, positive i assume or yeah, two de- prim- <laughs> it depends how you look at it so positive as long as it doesn't detract from the focus on football so obviously you and i were both uh, you're into baseball as well of course with the with that very no i say i'm into baseball by the way for me the baseball team is like a lottery ticket like it's fun <laughs> to follow but well, i don't say yeah. like i'm into baseball i know i don't even know the fucking i don't even know how to play the game do you know what i mean <laughs> You, let's say you have some exposure to baseball, then I guess is a better way to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I overpaid for some cards and now they're winning me a fiver a week. <laughs> well, there you go. So, yeah, we've got all that. Um, and it's, it's always good for expansion and possibly like crossplay. I've spoke about this before on uh, on, a, on another podcast. It was the, the end product. Um, and it was about potentially if you were able to win cards in like a, a complete global all-star division. So if you were able to play cards from multiple different sports, I don't know how that mm. work, would work scoring-wise. And then you maybe be able, like a star rare might be, uh, I don't know who's a good basketball player, like you could win a Steph Curry with your football team or something like that. I, I assume he's yeah. still good. Um, so having that kind of dynamic might be cool. But I guess we'll just see how it all works together. But as long as it doesn't detract from the football inside, because I still feel like there's a lot of key developments that they need to, and they have started to sort of address, but they really do need to start focusing in on it, especially even like onboarding. Um, don't know how you feel about onboarding, but I mean, like the Scottish Scottish leagues, obviously I've got a big focus on that. It's now going to be the 1st of October, I think, by the time games come back, or it might even be after that. So you've got to October, and um, there's still going to be no cards. So that's going to be like a third of the season gone, because obviously they play mm. 33 games in a split. So you're going to have like a third of the season gone already before you get the new cards. Um, and then they're still issuing old season cards, so they're going to go down to 0% multiplier as well. Um, so I really don't like to see that, especially when they've been uh, at the old farm a couple of weeks ago. They were advertising round on the boards with the new Soraya cards with the new players. So it just seems like a bit of an odd one. It's clearly in the pipeline. It'd just be nice to get some correspondence on what's kind of holding that up and maybe get some sort of calendar out to then say, listen, this is when we're thinking of on-rolling, uh, onboarding these these leagues they've definitely done it i remember back in the day with mls and j league i don't know if you remember that they were like yeah, we're gonna no release thing. them on game week blah 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 whatever it was and it was only like three weeks into the season um and again i know it's to do with licensing they've mentioned it before but we just need more correspondence it's always the issue it seems to be with so at the moment yeah do you know like part of me handle when i look at it right and again i don't work for so i'm not trying to trying to fucking fight their corner on him but ultimately just to kind of throw back a counter 
it's been such a like mad year or two in terms of like obtaining licenses where they've obtained so many licenses and a lot of them were obtained on like one year deals and stuff and they've had to renew them on league basis or on exclusive longer term deals or whatever it happens to be but my point is there's like new sports new clubs new leagues new whatevers do you just think it's a bit like messy at the minute in terms of like a you know there's new things coming all the time. We're, we're fully expecting Liverpool to drop. I've seen the cards on the website, as a lot of us have, probably like a week ago. The crest is there and all the other ones aren't. So we're fully expecting Liverpool to come as well. There's still new things being added. My point is, it might have been very hard for them, even six months ago, to look ahead to now, three months ago to look ahead to now and see what licenses they would have and what cards they would actually be able to schedule, if that makes sense. So like, maybe it, it's very hard to have that schedule in place. I feel it like it's a bit more reactionary and, oh, geez, we've got that too. Or, oh, crap, we need to push that out. Or, geez, they've just signed this, lads. We need to push these cards out ASAP. Or it all feels very reactionary and not very proactive. But maybe, and again, how far can you push things along? How, how, how far away is it acceptable to be doing stuff, I guess? But maybe for next season, when we've got the Serie A and the Bundesliga and the Liga and whatever else, all on multi-year exclusive or multi-year deals, doesn't matter about the exclusivity or not, multi-year deals, Maybe then they're in a position where they could actually forecast a bit better. But I don't know. It just feels like when they're announcing new leagues every day, like legitimate new licenses, it must be very hard to legislate for that three months ago in their timetable. I think I think you're absolutely you've hit the nail on the head in terms of it's reactionary rather than like being proactive. So the the problem is it's like when we see, we've seen ahead or people have looked into codes and they find out things weeks before they actually get announced. Um, or say, for example, if the Scottish cards are ready to go, what's what's kind of the hold-up um, if that was getting advertised two weeks ago? Mm. So if you're advertising something, then actually someone from the Scottish League decides, or they, they watch Scottish football and they go, right, I want to get involved in this. And then they, they read a bit about the rules and they realise if they buy a card now, they're going to lose their the 5% bonus by the time these new cards come out. Or they're mm. a new person and then they buy these cards and they wonder why they're less powerful a couple of weeks down the line because they don't understand. So yeah. it's more about... If they, if they were able to communicate which which weeks these were coming in, roughly, obviously just a, a guide that are going to be between weeks X and Y. Um, and then it just gives people enough time to sort of forecast ahead. So um, I've kind of been stuck in a low. I was thinking about, I, I bought a Joe Hart recently or I traded for a Joe Hart. Um, the reason I've done it was because I was trying to get rid of the card that I traded for um, because I wasn't playing at sort of what we know as D2 level, but I guess you could say super rare level now. I wanted to get rid of yeah. that super rare goalkeeper. And that was just circumstantial. But if that Joe Hart had been be like, have been a 5%, the person hadn't trained it or whatever, and I knew that the cards were coming the week after, that would be a tougher trade. And it's definitely information that we deserve to know before making a decision that's got monetary back into it, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there should be a more rigid schedule and we should have a rough idea of who's coming and when's it coming. Or Like, I'm trying to think here. Like, could they have schedules why are they just two or three days away why don't they have cards scheduled up for the next month and you could be looking ahead and going like fuck that camavinga super rare is coming up in 14 days maybe it's just a lot of cards to have on their market i don't know how that works but it would be nice to have a bit more information wouldn't it even just a week or two ahead (laughs) it kind of makes you wonder as well because obviously we're talking about proactive and reactive um yeah they're very like as soon as it seems like someone hits like an l5 of a certain amount then our unique just gets sprung on the market, or, but that's you know, that that is one hundred percent fact. Do you know what I mean? That that happens. They target big scores because people will want them more at that time. Yeah, so they will <laughs> they, be more. sort of proactive with that in terms of like, yeah, they must have some sort of algorithm written where it's like if they trigger mm-hmm. a certain score, then unique gets put up. 
But in terms of, we said the other day about they were checking lineups for the new whatever league it was, and they were like, "Well, we're going to manually remove them um, if your lineup doesn't doesn't meet the criteria." And obviously, that's to do with programming stuff as well. But then I I just put a tweet out saying something like, "Well, that's all well and good, but they've not actually manually looked at reward pools for." For as mm. long as I can remember, you know, if it's easy enough to look through individual lineups for for players who do meet an eligibility criteria, surely it's easy enough to go through a reward pool, and then even use something like a third party provider like Sorare Data, who we know that they have worked with on various different bits and bobs. They use things like Sports Gambler that says a player's out for nine months. If the player's out for nine months, just remove him for the pool. If he's out for a couple yeah. of weeks, you can leave him in, but maybe you could downrank him. And I think this is one of the correspondences which we we're going to touch on anyway that they're. They're kind of trying to look at reward pools. They're going to start maybe rewarding a bit more. Yeah. Well, there's no point in beating around the bush, I suppose. I'll just, I've seen you retweeted this. Um, the big update's coming for 308 to 310. More reward increases across all competitions, most significantly specialist and underdog. Prize pool player tiers will now update more regularly until rewards are sent out to improve fairness. You know, I think there has been a. <sighs> Where do I even begin here? You know, they like the bulking out of the rewards over the last couple of weeks, right? Mm. And they've put out a couple of different correspondences. Rewards increased, rewards increased. And it was all it all seemed to be off the back of everyone, I mean, literally shitting the bed and going balubas about the whole insider trading bit, right? It was off the back of that negative sentiment that they've yeah. done a couple of these things. And again, it feels reactive. It didn't feel like this was planned. It feels like they're reacting, and you know you can't criticize them. We give we you know the community gives all the feedback in the world and gets annoyed when they aren't heard, and then when they are heard and the feedback is realized, everyone goes, "Oh well, they're just reacting. They should have been proactive." It's like you know what I mean. It's like they should have done it their own. We shouldn't have had to get angry in the first place. So it's like they can't win. But part of me wonders, like looking at that, and I don't know. I'm I'm no game economist, and I genuinely have no basis to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. How responsible are we? It's like how how sustainable is it? Are they are they like? throwing a plaster on the rewards by bulking them out in certain competitions or is this like a longer term fix and something that they is sustainable and they can do i, I don't I, know I, I think you'd have to look at sort of stats obviously I'd, we don't have them available someone probably will or be able to work out but i'd imagine there was a, a huge chunk of players who weren't issued again last season just because you know you have to be sustainable longer term right so you have to they obviously they have models that will anticipate right how many years do we think we're going to have in one year, three years, five years, seven years, whatever the model length is, right? They'll have that yeah. all in place. So they'll have to, they'll obviously have a scale that they want to keep to. Uh, but even just like, it's not just about how many rewards are issued, it's about what you do get when you do win. So, for example, if someone has like a, let's just say a pre arranged transfer or something, right? I'm just thinking of, it was like a short that popped up and it was from, I think Quinny won a tier one rare and all-star or whatever it was and it was a Seagrest who'd already had a pre-arranged transfer I think to Celtic so yeah then the, it's hard it's like how do you how do you how do you compensate for him so he's playing at the time for Dundee United he was a starting goalkeeper but he knew he wasn't going to be so maybe it's down to the person in that respect but just rewards in general if someone like Liam Boyce was still in the the, the war pool and he's out for nine months it's an easy one to just manually remove because you'll have the information available and then it means that you've got more people who are actually should be in that pool or in that pool. And if there's someone yeah. who's had a recent price spike because they had a really good transfer or whatever it may be, they should maybe get moved pools so that it's a more fair reward structure. It's never going to be perfect. And obviously if they came out and corresponded to that and how they're actually doing it, I think they'd have a lot less people sort of complaining. 
But yeah. in terms of padding it out, I like the way that they've done it, even though I'm not someone who necessarily plays underdog and specialist religiously. The reason that they're doing that is for progression. Because if you come into especially underdog, because you don't need a goalkeeper. So if you can put four rares together and they bang in one week, I think someone was talking about it in some other sort of long-form content or whatever. They said they basically had nobody in their club plus a Messi or something. And it was like they yeah. won the Messi in an underdog tournament or one of these special weeklies or special threeklies or whatever it was, right? Um, mm. And that's just because they've happened to have players on that week that have just banged. And it's been like, yes, yeah, trapping lightning in a bottle a little bit. But when you're playing with cards that are maybe £20 for a rare or something, that's kind of where you're looking at. Um, yeah. You're looking at something like three people to get a peak in one week and one guy to get a 50. And then that puts you in really good stead. And that's just kind of how these tournaments work. If they've got consistent scores, they won't be in, the, they won't be in that pool. So... Yeah, I, I like yeah. where they've kind of targeted for that. If it had been just a, an increase across the board just for the sake of doing it, and it doesn't fit in with any kind of strategy or any kind of platform growth, then I don't think that makes a lot of sense. What they need to focus in on is just being more accurate with the rewards they do give out or where these yeah. reward pools are. Or even adding in, like, we've spoken about this so many times, for under-23s, there should always be a DMP pool. Even if it's at the bottom of the pool, like you've not been able to win Florian Verts over the last Verts, yeah. year. You know, he's, he's still worth two ETH. He's still worth more than most of the cards in that pool. And when you're losing, you've lost Haaland this year. You've lost all the people who have aged out this year, right? Those pools could really do with a bit of beefing up. So why they don't just have, have it known, listen, these people are DMPs, but they still hold a high value. As long as it was across a poll, let's say they, six and 10 people were for it and they put a vote out, and they put it to every member across an email or whatever. If they got six and ten votes or seven and ten votes or whatever the threshold might be to start introducing these DMP pool, like DMP pools to to rewards, because a lot of divisions could really do with that. I have so much to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I do so. Oh god, what order will I do this in? I don't even know where to begin. I've just took notes down on things I wanted to bring up, so I'm just going to start. First one was in terms of the rebalancing the prizes the top pri- top prize rebalancing is interesting we're super rare all-star now the first place is getting a star super rare and a tier one rare second place tier one super rare and a tier one rare so they're basically throwing tier one rares onto the podium super rare under 23 champion Europe challenger asia america they're also throwing um a star they're throwing a star rare on top of the super rare prize for the first place the winner and tier one rares at second and third in those which is nice again because you know super rare divisions in general have needed some love for a long time i don't know if this is all the way to fixing it because it's just the podium it's very top heavy the issue i find with super rare quite often is that the tier twos and threes are so shit um it's more about finding uh, more uses for those tier twos and tier threes which will lead me on to a further point specialist super rare you come in uniques now which is brilliant tier twos and three uniques and specialist super rare and specialist rare tier two rares up for grabs the point that that was going to lead me on i may as well throw it in now is because it's something i've wanted and when i look at the calendar over the next few weeks game week three at 310 whatever else something we haven't seen and i i swear to god now let me see is it here before i go ranting i'm about to rant not a big rant just a mini rant and people will say bullshit, but I was legitimately very, very, very excited for the kickoffs. You know the super rare kickoff and the unique kickoff? We haven't seen one this season, I don't think. Yeah. And I'm not joking when I say that's why I bought three uniques. Maybe it sounds mad. Maybe you go, ah, piss off, Nellis. I bought my uniques for three clays. I was hoping I'd pick up the two midfielders and a defender now. So I really need a forward if I want to be going at three clays. 
I think, or unless I could double them up. I forget what the format of the three was. But anyway, the kickoff was a legitimate reason for me. I was thinking I can use one of my uniques in like super a super rare all star. You know, throw in the Benjamin Andre, surround him by a few guys, see what happens. But if I have like a Nicholas Dorsch that I can throw into a kickoff and surround it by limiteds, that was honestly a big incentive for me. I was thinking if I can do that, like getting in the door to that unique kickoff is going to be like that. That's a very exclusive club. And if I can just have a unique that's capable of shooting a 60 and surrounded by limiteds like the Mbappes and the Hallands that I have, I was like, this is fucking brilliant. I haven't seen a kickoff. That was that was genuinely a division I was very excited about and one that I the, one of the reasons I bought an extra unique. Um and it's it goes all the way down. I'm sure there's people who might have bought speculative super rares thinking, well, it gets me into super rare kickoff, and then I can fill it out with my limited gallery or same with rare, I'd say, as well. So I don't know. I'm just disappointed we haven't seen the kickoffs when I look at the calendars. Because every time the calendars have come out recently, that's what I'm looking for. Because all the rest brilliant. There's good divisions, whatever else. Don't get me wrong. But like the thing that I've been missing or looking forward to is that, and we just haven't seen it. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that, to be honest. Um, and again, I'm it, sure a lot of people haven't or don't care. I do. Anything that brings utility to certain cards, especially unique divisions, um, I would say, like, like you said, it's a big, it's a big reason for why you would buy a unique anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Having like these extra competition to, even if it's just like you know once a month and it came in and it's part of like a special tournament or whatever. So again, with all the f- emphasis on uh, specialist and underdog and all that kind of stuff, I don't even, I've not even really had a look at special weeklies recently or what they kind of look like. Um, I couldn't even. I didn't play it much anyway. I don't know if they've maybe taken over it. I, I'm honestly not sure. But again, yeah. it's now that's now kind of forced me to have a look just because of the the weighting that they're putting towards it, and that's how you start to progress. It's not to say that you're then above it. It's about then saying right, could I? If if it's more lucrative to look at these places in terms of yield or in terms of the type of cards that you need, it, it's it's foolish to start being oblivious and not looking at them. And that goes for mm-hmm. limited as well. I think so. It's just I've got to kind of keep an eye on that. But I totally agree. Yeah, that I mean the more divisions the merrier, really, as long as you can make it sustainable. But the the thing I felt with the kickoff was like that would add a little bit of value. I don't know how much value it adds. It depends on the rewards that the kickoff has. But if it's got stars or tier ones up for grabs of any scarcity, you know, would would people go out and buy a tier, speculative tier two super rare just to get get you know like people with an elite limited gallery? Would they go? Do you know what? Maybe it's worth me having one or two super rares here because if I can get in here and surround it by my Ajax limited stack. Do you know, maybe, maybe that random tier two guy who plays for Voldendam makes sense. Do you know, <laughs> whatever, because he's only 0.05. And that just adds a bit of liquidity and demand for those lower tier super rares, which are a card that have needed a bit of love for some time. I'm winning super rares now, and I don't give a shit. I'm winning a tier, I've won a tier three super rare in Ulster this week. It's going to be some Korean lad I'm never going to use. It's worth 0.04. That, that's what it's probably going to be. Super <laughs> rare should be really exciting. Maybe I'm wrong. Not every mean. card needs value. I get it, but like the rare cards, I don't know. In those tier threes, it almost feels like instead of the normal kind of three, three and a half, four x rule, it's like you're lucky to get double the price of the rare because of the lack of liquidity or demand for those super rares at times. But anyway, that was just a point. Is there anything else in that reward announcement that jumps out at us? I think just obviously, yeah. If you can keep communicating in terms of, I know they're kind of doing it in like a three game week spell. I don't know if that's just because that kind of takes you up to a certain point or whatever it might be, like game week 310, not that's a big milestone or anything, but yeah, just like, if they keep corresponding, obviously, as long as it's trending in the right direction, um, and 
I just don't want to really see like a lot of the divisions that we will play, like the traditional ones like under twenty three rare pro, for example, just really don't want to see it go stale. Um, mm. when it's kind of the same same thing over and over. They've really got to think about what can they do. And I think DMP pools, especially for under twenty three, is just such an easy win. Like just brings yeah. it means that so many of these unused cards or unissued cards, I guess you could say, um, they actually get get issued during the season. Uh, and it just means that they can pay more down, down more places. They can they can really start to pad out divisions if they've got players of quality. They don't have to put them all in. Maybe there's a threshold for right. The, the player has to be worth at least zero point four ETH per their last sale, and then they make up yeah. the rest of the pool or whatever it might be. And then it just means that you can maybe pay out an extra fifteen cards a week or an extra twenty, and they don't actually have to do it. They don't have to onboard anybody at that point. It's literally just going off what you've already got. I think that's an easy one. Yeah. No, I hear you. There's a lot they can do that are easy wins. I'm just having, sorry, I know I'm a bit distracted. <laughs> so we'll get on to my little rejig, but I'll tell you what's just happened. I had Nicholas Storm listed for 0.23, right? Yeah. I could be a listener of the show, so sorry if you are. And I've been, this guy's been making offers to me and gone up in like 0.5 increments for ages, right? And he finally got up to like 0.21 and I had him in the market at 0.23. And I just said no. And I went to the market and basically unlisted my card and put it up for 0.22. Mm. Thinking, that's me saying to you, look, pay this amount and I'll take it. And he's just sent me an offer of 0.22. And the card's on the market for 0.22. But I still have to accept it. So, of course, I took the card off the market and I've put it off for 0.225. <laughs> <laughs> just to be a scumbag. Let's hope he buys it. See if he buys it in the next two minutes and I've just squeezed an extra three quid out of him. What a scumbag. I'm going to reject his point two two. This is playing with fire, though, because I could very easily just not sell him in the end. This is so playing um, with fire. This is unadvisable. Yeah, it's it's stupid. I mean, it really is me being an idiot. It's like he's offered me 301 quid, and I've said, give me 308. I'm more doing it for the laugh at this stage. I don't <laughs> care. I really don't care. But um, someone else will buy it. So they have a load of different wee bits written down here. Um, you sold an Mbappe since we last spoke. Big that's, change, big decision. That's true. Yeah, a few few pieces came out of it. So Mbappe, I think, sold for around about 18k. So great British pounds, which is obviously great because I won him, um, which mm. is obviously what everybody wants to do. Um, and it ended up, so the reinvestments haven't worked out so well. And I think that's just been down to the platform itself because players haven't necessarily been bad. I bought Urien Timber, who's obviously not been in great form, but he's also yeah. had well, he's had 125 in his last two, so it's kind of kind of sums up how his form's been this season. It's very up and down. Um, yeah. And I also bought Vinicius Junior to directly replace Mbappe, who's been extremely good. He's just seen a price drop because of the price of ETH, and I don't know, he just randomly dropped for no reason. He's starting to creep back up, looks obviously he's starting to do it in the Champions League, and he really looks like it looks like the real deal. Um, yeah. Thankfully, it was between him and Jota. Um, he, what kind of? I, I thought Jota had more bad moves in him. I don't think Vinicius has a bad move in the world, to be honest. Um, yeah. And he, and he's a year younger, so they were the same price at the time. So I picked Vinicius, and Jota's around about what three ETH now. Vinicius kind of holding strong about five. So yeah, um, I could have lost myself some more money, um, and then I did bank a bit. Obviously, it's important if you're making if you're making money um, to to actually bank something to come out of it. So. 
Um, it took about 5k out, roughly, somewhere around there. And the rest kind of got frittered away on little bits and pieces and, and punts and stuff. So um, yeah. I've not had any not had any, any heartbreak that's been Mbappe-related, which is good. Um, mm. Apart from, obviously, PSG have just been absolutely electric. So his scores have been great, but so have, so have Vinicius. He's, it's been more about the other pieces of my gallery that have been really let me down. I've not been able to get them all in form and all fit at the same time yet. So it's been yeah. quite a quite a tough period so far this season. It's funny, like I, I feel the exact same. Like, well, looking at you, by the way, I don't feel this bad, but like Ajax there, Jury and Timber with like scores lower than 35, two in a row. Jesus wept. Yeah, he hasn't been scoring great. He's off the back of 100 against here in vain with a 75, 76 AA. But um, yeah, center backs got nerfed a tiny bit, which didn't help him, but he's still elite. I think like the Mbappe, when I look at Vinicius, it'll get us onto another topic in a minute, but like I really want one um, because I think there's a lot to be said for like, you know, Gakbo might be three eighth and Vinicius might be five. I know that's nearly double, but like the security you get from having a guy at one of the best clubs in the world who's doing it at the top level is incredible. I think Gakbo is going to be like a proper top, top talent. I think he's big enough and physical enough to like get involved at a higher level. I just don't like the the as you say the amount of negative outcomes that come in January, um, and that's why I'm trying to sell right now. I, I love the idea of having like a, a Vinicius, and I think that's why obviously the it's not I think that's why looking at me dropping the most obvious things in the world and acting like I'm dropping real alpha on people, but like that's <laughs> why champion cards cost so much, isn't it? Because the only way is up because they either stay at the top level or they go to a lower level where they're elite you know whereas it's complete counter for that for the guys at the second level where they go up and they could become shit or they stay where they are and they're as good as they are it's this um that's why i'm trying to sell it kind of moves me on to the next point which is about like kind of market cycles and where we are maybe realizing where we are we might still feel like we're in september but i had the moment of realization today and i said this to you off air beforehand that i might only have six weeks psv gakbo utility left (laughs) <laughs> international break and then I've got six weeks to the World Cup and then it's the transfer window and the likes of Gakbo and you you be your timber as well you know timber was told by Van Hal by all accounts same as Gakbo look stay in Holland get the game time you'll come to the World Cup what's why, why would these guys stay after that well, January you know big clubs come in offer 30 40 whatever million for them a lot of money more maybe and maybe one of them shines at the World Cup and there's a million other examples like this I think it's about realizing where we really are in terms of the football calendar. It's a weird year and I'm starting to get a squeaky bum with Gakbo because I'm thinking like, <laughs> you know, you could go from three to one eighth very quick. Yeah. I know what you, I know what you mean. I, I, I guess I, we spoke about this previously. I think maybe, maybe just in a random conversation, but always try and underpin, like even if you've got punts, right. So like, say for example, like the Kaiser was a great punt from you. Um, and now he's kind of lost his place because he's not, He's not a top elite youth player. He was just a guy who had a good chance of being the starting goalkeeper. And then he was, and then he's not, which is fine. You know mm. what I mean? Like that, that happens sometimes. But it's like the majority of the people that I'm trying to buy or that I have tr- tried to buy over a certain period of time, like Saliba, Timber, uh, Botman, Tadebo, I'm just looking at three players here, Gavardio. These are people, they're all underpinned by quality, I think. So these people don't have too many bad moves in them, in my opinion. And then some of the Matildas, there are, I think under 23 Matura is just so hit and miss because as soon as they have like even a sniff of a good season, they're going to be linked away straight away because midfield, everybody wants a playmaker. Everybody wants a number six now. So many teams are wanting these box-to-box players. They're just so high in demand. Um, and there's so many midfielders. 
that, that do well in under 23, they just get snapped up like really quickly. And some of them can get really good moves, like Szymanski moving to like Feyenoord or whatever from Russia. That, that seems pretty yeah. good. Um, but again, you could have ones like Susic who's been linked with Liverpool, and whilst he'd mm. probably be doing okay now, he would have walked straight into that Liverpool team with the lack of players in there. Um, that's all circumstantial. You know, you've got to get lucky for for them to get a good move. So I look at my under twenty three midfielders and I'm thinking this is really weak compared to what I've been used to in previous seasons. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm really taking stock of the same thing, John. Like really looking back and saying, right, is there any way I can kind of can I kind of rejig this? Can I kind of get a bit more quality in there? Do I need to maybe look at people who are aging out because uh, it's really affecting me this season? Um, just a, yeah. just a few a few small pieces that have aged out and they've actually really affected a couple of lineups and the players who have brought in haven't really kicked on. So that this all comes into my thinking. And like you said, I've got the World Cup ahead. I'm not. I'm. I'm probably not. I don't think I've got a goalkeeper for the World Cup anyway. None that I can think of. Um, because I Russia invades oh, people. Courtois. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that that's kind of killed that. Obviously, Safanov would have been a really good one. Um. Mm. Outside of that, I can't see anybody who I think would go. So that that more thinks to me. Then it's like about Vinicius. He's quite a good price now. Do I maybe move him on and just try and get some more midfielders in? Do I maybe try and bring somebody in that's at a lower level? But like you said, maybe best wait until after January and stuff. And we under 23, it's always like you need to look now. But the problem is yeah. a lot of these players' careers are really fluid at that point. So it's just so hard to judge. It really is really hard to judge. This is the thing, right, with like, it's just talking about like where we're at and having a bigger look at the market. Like in terms of cycles and stuff, I do think, as I say, with Gakbo and with a lot of these guys, very, very, very quickly, if they're an under-23, maybe they're aging out this year, they've like seven, eight months more utility. Very quickly, after a lot of, like, probably a lot of players like that mightn't be in national teams, maybe they are, but you'll be in a position where right now you might have 68 weeks more utility of that player before squeaky bum time in January number one. And then when January goes away and we're into February, you can be damn sure that's whenever, you know, under 23 guys aging out will start to have a little less. People will start to be a bit squeakier. I know that's like three or four months away, but that's going to come around very quick. That, that's the blink of an eye. Like, and people will start to not bite the glasses and the old Biscaglis and the whoever else is aging out. You know, people will start to not be as into them and the prices will come back because the demand isn't there and everyone starts to get a squeaky bum and everyone tries to get out and then that drives the price down. It's common. And I feel like it's one of those where I'm in this, it's a horrible position where it's like, I can hold on to these guys for another six, eight weeks, ride the World Cup where they're probably not going to be involved a lot, get into January and, you know, I'll get that six or eight weeks out of them. Gakpo's scoring hundreds for fun. That's six weeks of hundreds out of Gakpo. I could win an Mbappe. I could win whatever. But then I just don't think it's the play. I think I know every every year I know when the right time to do something is. I just never bloody do it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying I know everything. Not everyone. Like I'm, I don't know everything. I feel like I know a lot of things. And I always look back and go, I knew that was going to happen. Of course that happened. And right now it's a case of, I think, with a lot of these under 23 guys, this is the time that I should probably be selling. At least in the next three, three weeks, maybe. Next two, three weeks. Will I do it? Time will tell. Will I regret it? Absolutely, if I don't. And that leads on to the other part of part of things is that I do believe that we're kind of at the bottom of the the um, MLS market. Yeah, definitely. Looking at some of the some of the cars, like even the ones that I own, I put in a little like American team just at the weekend, uh, and a few few of them have just been kind of like ticking over really nice scores. I usually play them in All Star, um, and I made a few investments just like start of the season 
um, just to go along with them. So like if I need them, maybe a midweek one, a lot of these teams are playing midweek. Um, and I had a lot of cover there. I've, I honestly, since I brought these boys in, I've barely missed a threshold, like top threshold. I pretty much nail it every week. It's just bringing in yeah. players like like Pozuelo. He got a good move to enter, enter Miami. Um, he's been on fire since he moved over there. Um, because he's a decent quality player. Rui Diaz as well. Again, he plays every game for Seattle. Sometimes he scores thirty five. Sometimes he scores eighty. Um, it's it's really it's just because he plays every game, filling that, that midfield slot. And then I've had the Crepo and the Rio double up from LAFC. At the back, sometimes they do shite, sometimes they do well, and then again, just one other random player from wherever. It's been obviously been mainly European players that filled it that extra one. Um, but like uh, Thauvin's come come back stuff like that, so that's been like my core team, and they just sit and churn out the. Well, it's been like nearly like point zero four over the last wee while. They've been churning out through that threshold, so it's definitely if if anyone's thinking about, and I think there will be a question about it probably at some point. But if you're thinking about starting a team, I've always done this even when before. Sort of really expensive or to get started. Look at the out of, out of trend. Like, are these players quality? Maybe not. Are these players good enough to make a threshold team? Yeah, definitely. So let's get them at their bottom, and then you can choose to sell them later if you want to and buy into the next downtrend. We've kind of yeah. seen it for long enough now. It's been two years. We kind of know when to hold, when to sell, and um, when to kind of when sometimes it's a gamble, when it's not. Um, you still take the gambles and I'm not saying you, you avoid the gambles you know like it'd be boring if you're just really safe all the time and it'd probably be fairly lucrative I don't know but it'd be a little bit boring if you didn't take the risk once in a while but we've known now with the market trends yeah it's a good time to hold these players and wait till the new season starts hope they get a nice move and then you can maybe shift them on after I'm going to continue on that can you hear the ice cream van? I can't but I'm not surprised. This is a much better mic. Do you remember I just got a really like flashback of my soul of like sitting down in a podcast with you and I remember on the, the football index podcast I used to do the ice cream man was a regular guest on that show but my mic wasn't quite as like sexy and directional so people mightn't even hear that but like I'm hearing an ice cream man and it's, it's it goes back to that whole it's the 20th of September mate it's pish and rain what are you doing he's drug dealing that's what he's doing I know he is. It has to be he's, 100%. He, He's slinging coke out the side of that ice cream van. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to what you were saying. Yes, it, it's one of those where I feel like now I'm looking at this and I've just pulled up a player, for example, who I haven't bought. I'll probably buy him before the tennis podcast goes out, so let's give him a pump now. <laughs> Jack Price, for example, right? If you go and look at his graph, look at his rare graph, look at it over the last six months to a year. And I mean, this is a guy who, if you go back and look at his scores at all time, and I do not know MLS, and I do not know Colorado Rapids, and I barely even know Jack Price other than the fact that I won him a, co- a year ago or something. Mm. But you just look at the pedigree of that scorer there, and you look at his rare price over the last six months to a year, and look at it in terms of fate. Like, that has been bumbling along and looking like a bottom for nearly a month now. Will it go lower at the end of the season? Maybe. But I mean, like if you're coming in the door fresh and you're looking to pick up limited cards and sit on them for five months and then really compete, you know, don't be looking at Europe pre-World Cup. Go out and buy a load of these mad guys who have huge, he doesn't have a huge L40 here in fairness, but if you go and look at his historic scores, he's just one example. You pick up his limited card less than 15 quid, do your own research. He might break his leg and never play again. It's on you, not me. But... but <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm looking there, and even the, the, that that sort of idea scales across the the scarcities. For me and you, Hendo, who are looking to maybe push more super rares, I don't know what you're at, but in terms of me, if I wanted to have a bit more depth in my super rares, now's the time probably to go out and pick up a Jack Price super rare. If the unique hit the market and it was sitting at about one point five two ETH or whatever, I don't know, probably worth a lot more. But like maybe that's where I sell a lot of the shite rares I don't use and get one and wait. And like I do feel like. 
MLS, I haven't followed the Asian market too much. Let me go on to a couple of player. Who's a pretty standard good performer there? Taniguchi or someone? Yeah, Yamin, maybe. Yamin, maybe. I've got Taniguchi up. Again, like, you know, the, the market has been trending down for a while. Limited-wise. Rare-wise, he's been pretty. He hasn't really dropped, to be fair. You see Yamin, how's he doing? Picking up a Mickey Yamin Super Rare or something would be... You know, in the next week or two, the next month or two, you could go and build, like, an absolute baller Kawasaki stack or something. Yeah. Um, and that could, uh, again, a lot of people forget that um, these players can compete in All-Star. Like, All-Star is such an underrated tournament in terms of if you've got the pieces together, it doesn't matter where they're playing. Um, if you've got, like you said, if you had a Yamin Super Rare or something, right? And then you're able to stack them with a couple of the other boys and whatever, whoever the top striker might be, and get another super rare in there. And then, yeah, when when uh, when the European leagues come back, yeah, a lot of these cards score well. But all the big scoring cards are champion cards. They get they get played in Champion Europe. The All Star scores are still not ridiculously high to the point where these these cards can't compete. And then plus yourself, maybe like maybe you're like oh okay well maybe i need to add something else in and then you you just happen to have someone in your gallery who fits it quite well maybe it's a midfielder who's got a really high average or maybe they're just a really peaky player or whatever it might be you can then add them in because it's all-star you can kind of do whatever you want um, and then start prioritizing that so as much as all these new tournaments came in still the all-star is actually kind of forgotten about a little bit um you can play these yeah. players over there I th- i've just had a look there now i know jung sung Ryong is like bloody 37 right so whatever going through research having a clue but like i could sell like a gakbo and get a kawasaki ryong and tanaguchi defensive stack at super rare you know you know find another couple of eighth and all of a sudden you've got kawasaki's goalkeeper yaman and tanaguchi <laughs> you know like like they're three players that can go and win you super rare all-star if you have another couple you know like there's opportunities out there, and I think this is that time of year where I I realize it every year and don't act on it. This will be the mm. third kind of my my two year anniversary is coming up in a week. Mine's was just, just a month night. just a month past. I was looking just there. It was the tenth of August, so um, yeah. just a month. You, past. Right about now, you were getting horny for so rare two years ago, <laughs> and you were in my DMs going, "Nellis, lad, we need to get Nicole. You need to get involved in this." You probably need to the first, pump this on your podcast. Pro- probably the first and last time I've been horny in your DMs, John. Or maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Mightn't be the last either. But um, yeah, so like about two years ago, because 28th I signed up and that was on a call with you and Quinny that night. Um, but yeah, so market cycle is a big thing. People maybe need to take, take a bit of stock and have a look, particularly with under 23s that are going to be aging out. In fact, in terms of order priority, I've started to think about, in my opinion, it's under 23s that are likely to get a transfer in January, under 23s that are going to age out, start to look at them. And then maybe just start thinking if you're, if you know, a lot of people just don't give a shit about American football or Asian football, and that's fine. If it's never going to bring you joy or you're not looking forward to it, don't bother. But if you're coming in with a bit of money ball, you like a bit of data and you're feeling patient and you're on a budget, like the value you could potentially get there. And we've seen it time and time again in that market where come January, February, the Picard prices could go mad because everyone's going to want them for next summer. No international tournaments, long layoff after the World Cup. I don't actually know how long the, the leagues are going to end up running with the World Cup and whatever else, but you get my point. Those cards will have demand again. And if you can buy some premium pieces now at whatever scarcity you can afford, and if you have the patience to sit on them for four or five months, and I know that's hard. If people can really just afford to field that team or two, they're probably not going to want to do that because they want to be engaged. But for people with a, a slightly bigger gallery, I don't know, a few ETH, whatever else, 
you might be able to add in a few wee depth pieces that are really going to serve you well next year. Yeah, um, definitely. Even if it's limited, like, you know, I know limits are slightly different, but I was just having a look at uh, Rui Diaz because he's one of the ones that I spent a lot on. He was like 0.49. Unfortunately, got injured, and then obviously you're you're then backpedaling. So he did peak a little bit more at like 0.5, like basically 0.6 with his new season cards, a few of them, and he's way back down to like 0.24 now. Um, mine's yeah. like $800 or something that I paid. He's now like $329. So you're looking mm-hmm. there. And then the start of the start of the season, just on the lead up, so like uh, December last year. In fact, where are we? September. September last year, he was like 0.13. And then by the time the league came back in March, he was 0.54 ETH-wise. And then again, dollar-wise, this is going to be a big fluctuation. So that's like three times the amount. And he's just getting down to that level again now. Yeah. Um, it'll maybe take a little bit longer he's a little bit higher because maybe his form was better or whatever it might be but yeah picking out these trends and I think I might do it just be like even if it's just like an ETH's worth of players or something that you need to sit on for, for four months if you can then turn that ETH's amount into like three ETH for example that's a pretty good return when you've got even if you've got like a 10 ETH gallery and you put 10% into it um, so it's like so that's one ETH into it and if you can turn that into three that's like a 30% yield on, on, on your whole your whole gallery altogether that's pretty good yeah Absolutely, um, I'm just I'm just looking there. What was I just looking at? I was just looking at something really interesting. Oh man, gone. Rui, it was something about Rui Diaz, but I've <laughs> I've lost the point I was about to make because I've got him pulled up on his averages. Um, but you're right; it is that kind of patient flipping opportunity. People who want to trade, you know, you can come in and try your re-injury trades and you're trading around game weeks and all. If it gives you joy and it brings you entertainment, absolutely, there's value there. But maybe it could be time to start looking at these players if you want to just sit in something. The other side is, maybe we're not at the bottom yet. Maybe in two weeks they're half the price. <laughs> <laughs> so don't listen to me, um, but just keep an eye on it. I was looking at, oh, my, my um, Nicholas Storm play might have backfired. Pierre hasn't come in with another offer. Silly boy. So for the sake of eight quid and a bit of pride, I'm sat here, tail between the legs. Um. Right, what was I going to say? Yes, the rejig, bit of YouTube, blah, 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 all those notes. I've pretty much hit most of my points here. Um, We have a few questions from people we'll go to. But another thing I did, Limited Pro this week, I came eighth in MLB. Ah, fantastic. I did see that, actually, yeah. Yeah, I came eighth. Uh, oh, oh no, that's this week. This week, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong week past game week let me pull it up here i came eighth in limited pro with 295 points out of two, over two thousand people and i've won a rare tier two which is the equivalent of a tier one the the, the baseball cards work different they go tier one is star tier two is tier one Do you know what i mean they, they right. don't have tier zeros so i've won a tier one rare with a limited sort of stack not it's not a stack a limited group of players now the funny part about it all is that i overpaid massively like i mean mm. like it, it's disgusting i don't know if you've seen this hendo have you seen how much i overpaid for ronald acuna jr i have not should i anyone anyone who wants a giggle right if you want to laugh at me and by all means please at me um hendo you should look up ronald acuna so right like... everyone at home go and do this Ronald Acuna Jr. He's an Atlanta Braves player. Yeah. Pull up his limited card prices and pull up six months, three months if you want. Okay. And you're oh. going to have a laugh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Why so much? 
Oh man, it's the one of. He's like, I'm not gonna say he's the Mbappe, right? But he's kind of like an Mbappe Haaland type type figure over there. I I hear like turned down like a 500 million dollar contract and all. Now, apparently their contracts are over a much longer time period. But bottom line is, he's like young gun, big hitter, exciting, whatever. And I was like, when MLB came out, I was like, you're only going to get one chance to ever get these one-offs. You know what I mean? Yeah. The big mistake I made was I kind of pinned them against the likes of the Mbappe and Haaland Limiteds in my head. Because MLB, known for its collectability, I thought the one-off might have a bit more emphasis. Bad, bad, bad. There's a million reasons I can try and justify it. I didn't take into account or think about the fact that there's actually 5,000 of these, though. <laughs> As opposed to 1,000. And that's a difference. So for the one-off, and again, it was very much about no one really knew what card prices should have been when the one-offs were coming out. It was a very like, oh my God, what are these worth? And everyone wanted the one-offs. So I got the Ronald Acuna Jr., one of 5,000, which is a beautiful card. Don't get me wrong. He could go on to have a brilliant career in baseball, blah, 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 blah. Maybe the, the so rare MLB experience has let me down to date. But like for people listening, if you haven't went and looked at it, I paid 1,659 euro. The next highest card ever went for 387. In terms of ETH, that's over an ETH versus like a quarter of that. And currently his cards are selling in euros for 50 quid that's a lie the last one sold for 70 but um yeah that's hilarious so my point was i want a rare so i'm starting to get some of that back which is nice <laughs> i've I've, kind of probably... got, I've got one that's close i guess if you want to have a look it's uh it's brenner from cincinnati oh i remember you bought him is it a super rare no it's just a rare um if you just go into rare and then just put like all time um <clears throat> and then you'll see the very the very high spike for the one-off which was me Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was about £1,000, roughly, somewhere around there. And you can see he lulled for so long because he was in and out of the team and apparently had attitude issues. And then he was down at 0.1 when he's maybe going back to Brazil. And you can see he creeped back up pre-season to 0.5. And that's when I was like, right, I'm going to sell him now because um, yeah. I, I want to get my money back. And then he dipped again because he was in bad form. And you can see he spiked right back up again, though. Um, yeah. All the way up to 0.7 when his new season cards came out. Um, and I was just having a look. So he's actually got... In 26 appearances, he's got 14 goals and five assists this season. So he's actually Decent. really he's really hit the ground running second half of the season. Um, he's kind of hit the form that he came over with a Wonder Kid tag. So that's why I had to get him. And I was like, I'm, again, I'm only going to have X amount of chance to get the one of. I could have had the one of Super Rare at some point. Um, I think it wasn't that expensive. The guy wasn't wanting a lot for it at the time. Maybe like, I think mm. it was like an, an ETH he was wanting or 1.2 or something. Um, and I was like, Do you know what? I've got enough skin in the Brenner game. I think I'll. I'll set this yeah. one out. <laughs> so yeah, he's been all right. Again, he's he's only been setting at point four three five for his four than now. But if he's he's I mean he's under twenty three until twenty twenty four. Um I'm thinking he'll be probably close to that. Maybe even like close to the ETH point by the time the season starts. If he's still at Cincinnati or even if he gets a move to, to one of the big teams in MLS possibly. And um, we could be looking at him having a, a higher price mm-hmm. at that point. So he's he's a keep for now. FOMO is dangerous, isn't it? You get that can, in your head. It can be. We should have done the same way. Like, so the problem is, Talis Magno was done the same, and he was he had a terrible start as well. So we could have picked him up, and then as yeah. soon as he, by the time he'd actually got a card, he started to hit form for NYC. So mm. uh, obviously he's been very expensive this year, um, and not been able to get a hold of him, which is just a shame because we've been following him for like the year that he was rubbish and wasn't playing. So yeah, that's sometimes just the way it goes. The the last note I had here before we answer a couple of questions um, that I never actually came back to, and I mentioned it nearly every week at this stage, but I can't wait for it, is you mentioned multi-sport tournaments earlier. I can't wait for that. 
like it has to happen. I don't care. I will riot. I will throw. I, there will be blood on the streets if I don't get that by the new year. I'm talking one-off special weekly. Whenever all the seasons are all playing, it has to be done before the end of the MLB season. Well, maybe maybe I don't even know if that happens. I don't even know when MLB runs to. I'm acting like I know a lot about it. I know absolutely nothing, Hendo. Um, but like, imagine you pick a batter or any baseball player. It's on you. If you want to pick a guy whose cat whose ceiling of score is eight points, that's on you. Hit the pick a big hitter, throw him in, throw in a footballer, any position. It's if you pick a goalkeeper, that's on you. Why would you ever do that? And then pick a basketball player. Oh, and this is something funny as well. Apparently, basketball player. They don't say basketballers, or they say they don't say something that I said. I said it to an American recently, and they laughed at me. I said like. Who's your favorite basketballer or something like that? They don't mm. say that. Does that sound weird to you, or is it just me overthinking it in my head? Basketballer. Can you say basketballer? I don't know. That sounds alright to me. It's basketballer word. Yeah, a, a basketball player, a person who plays basketball. But is that a basketballer or is that a basketball player? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yanks, get in my DMs. Right, Hendo, couple of questions. I'll actually put the ball in your court. Is there any of these you particularly wanted to answer? And then, if not, I'll just throw something at you. No, let's just rattle through them. All right, so when will the next SPFL card be released? No keepers. Hopefully tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, hopefully soon, you said. Well, it's replied. just been like, so like over the over the, winter, uh, the break, so um, I picked up a Jack Hendry super rare for like 120 quid, right? He's not really playing. He's in Serie A now, um, step up in quality. He wasn't really playing at Bruges either. Um, but again, he's one of these players like because he's high level and he's Scottish. I wanted to pick him up because he was cheap. If I had the goalkeeper to go with him, I think I'd I'd be playing these teams because I don't see Scotland rotating too much. So obviously, with my finger on the pulse a little bit, I think I know who'll play. Mm. So I've got him pegged to play. But Craig Gordon's Craig Gordon's like forty this year, I think, and is still our number one goalkeeper and is still really good for Hearts. So I actually think he'd be quite expensive when he goes on sale. But again. We can only know when we've got new season cards because he's not in the old season release for some reason. So I'm hoping it's as soon as possible. But it's kind of came too late now because this is the last international football that we're going to see for a while. He does have yeah. midweek utility though. So Hearts are playing in the Conference League. Um, so I might still pick him up. But again, at 40, you don't want to be paying too much for him, I don't think. Uh, I think he's got maybe a year ahead of him, maybe next year, and then that'll be it. Um, in terms of, yeah, the rest of the cards, there's so many little gaps that need filled. Like Celtic have signed players even from January last year. Like Matt O'Reilly, for example, he's an under twenty one mid. And um, we spoke about him in a, a preseason thing, John. Uh, yeah. and again, I, I I don't know what his scores would be like, but he doesn't have a card. Um I'd expect him to be extremely expensive though. Because he's been pretty good this season. Uh, yeah, so top SO five averages. Jota seventy four, Juranovic sixty five, who doesn't have a card. Carter Vickers mm-hmm. sixty five, Starfelt fifty nine, then Matt O'Reilly fifty seven. Who doesn't have a card? So having having Celtic on as a team, and then only having sort of three of the five or three of the top uh, four of the six top scorers isn't isn't a great look. Yeah, I'd say uh, Quinny would agree with you on that. Yeah, he definitely would. Yeah. They, they'll be in the hunt for O'Reilly for sure. Trust me on that one. But the fact he's on the twenty three to twenty twenty five maybe goes against him. Um, same as Turnbull. Turnbull's not really been playing that often, but. Because he's under 23, his price was like heavily inflated based on previous scores, even though anybody that watched Celtic knew that their midfield was going to be really competitive this year. I think we prefaced that in the in the season preview as well. But yeah, fingers crossed, cards will be soon. They've been advertised in Scotland on Bordens or Hordens or whatever yeah. you call them. So yeah, fingers crossed soon. 
I've seen um, Alex McBride and Connie. I don't know if you went to any of them, have you? These like big Celtic days. I've seen them there with a wee shirt and tie on. And... Nah, so that was kind of for. I got offered to go for the old firm, but um, I kind of thought it was, logistically it wasn't great. I I was actually in Dumfries. Going, uh, I was at Dunfermline game, so we were away. That's about two hours from from where I stay. Mm. So that was commitment to the cause, I guess. But normally these games, <laughs> yeah. no, normally old firms are on a Sunday, so I was kind of hoping to do both. But obviously it was on a Saturday, so I couldn't go. But I, I, I it might be something that I look to do maybe later in the in the in the future. But I don't really want to take the piss too much. But in terms of using tickets, when I'm not a Celtic fan, I'd rather have if someone's a Celtic fan, they want the ticket, they can they can kind of take. Yeah, it. that's the um, thing. But if it's going and Quinny asks and there is one going, then. I'll say yes if I can go. Well, that's it. If there was the old firm, like I'd be over there in a heartbeat, but ultimately, <laughs> like it'd be wasted on me compared to some of the community. Yeah. I am going to a game very soon, though. I don't know okay. how much I can say or can't say. It's not. It's not that big a thing either. Like, I'm, it, this sounds like it's all super premium and exciting. I don't even know. I might vlog it. I might not. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see. I don't know if I can justify it, but I'm going to be at Paris PSG versus Marseille, which okay. will be exciting it's in about three weeks but i mean like talk about an atmosphere i can't wait for that that'll be mega yeah i love that and has that been sort of organized privately or sort of help with people from the community or it's i don't know i got reached out to by so rare um, All right, about okay. it about it and i don't i don't know enough that's what i'm saying i can't say because i don't actually know and i've asked a few times like is this a thing like who's going how do we organize yes. this do it? Yeah. and i'm kind of i don't know is ultimately the story. I don't know who's doing what. I have now, in fairness, now this isn't just out of nowhere. I've been putting in interest in going to games all over Europe for a year now. Do you know, yeah. saying I want to go here, I want to go here, I want to go here. But finally one's come up. So I don't know. We'll see what that's about. That's in a few weeks. So excited nice. for that. That's the next game we'll be going to. Um, talk about an atmosphere, as I say. So next question. This is a fun one, actually, from Shoshi. Shoshi, let's play dot so rare. Uh, do you guys sometimes secretly? Now, this is maybe more for me than you, Hendo, but mm. I'll ask you at first anyway. Do you sometimes secretly enjoy drama since it provides you with a new topic for content every so often? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure that's one for me, but uh, do I like drama? No, not really. I do get involved sometimes, but only you. You'll notice anything that I try and tweet is either based on factual stuff or try to go back at people who are just like overly opinionated um so it kind of annoys me a little bit when people are like far too important like, you can't see the bigger picture is, is kind of yeah that, that's kind of my role i would say i'll sometimes get in, try and get involved in these sort of drama things to try and bring a bit of rationale and just say listen let's look at the bigger picture and then sometimes when there's things like the rewards that have been going on for so long then you can start to come in with um i'll, I'll occasionally try and tag sorry and just say listen guys actions speak louder than the words you keep saying to us um look we're going to do this we're constantly reviewing rewards blah 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 well let's see a bit of action that's kind of yeah. where i see it i try and not make too much of a fuss but i assume for you it gives you some good topics to kind of talk about john do you know what there's types of drama i love and there's types of drama i don't do you know what i absolutely despise and hate and i actually mute people who i don't have any problems with or and kind of actually like i've got on with in dms or in discords or whatsapps or whatever i'll mute them because like i genuinely for me i think as well because i treat this in many respects kind of like a job because i do the podcast and five videos a week and all the rest like i'm so glued to that sort of twitter space and what's going on that when you're seeing one thing is like drama around like so rare themselves decisions they've made mistakes they've made 
positive drama as well, negative drama around like, oh my God, they got such and such, or oh my God, all that drama around, is this the right move? Or I don't know, announcements and stuff I love, a bit of debate, uh, bringing up stuff, the rewards and bitching about this and that. I love all that. What I genuinely just hate is like, the petty childish drama and there's so much of it in like the Twitter world. I actually just like, it really just bores me and I just think it's really fucking stupid. I, I don't even know. I just have no time for it. So I just mute a lot of people who I actually like because it's like, if you two were sat face to face in a room, you should be ch- talking to each other about football and best friends and having a pint and having a great time. But you are just so anchored in your little opinions that like you know th- th- there's nothing being gained it's childish you know it's not even like healthy debate it's just like ugh. so that yeah. sort of drama no and that's why i generally try to avoid that that said <laughs> there's a guest coming on in a couple of weeks who's been on the podcast before one of the biggest accounts on so rare um i'll not drop it just yet even though we all probably have an idea and i've been told to brace for drama um, on more than one occasion, apparently it's going to be the most dramatic episode ever. And this isn't me trying to hook you and get you to subscribe, even though you definitely should. But apparently, like, I'm actually shitting myself a bit because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to be sat here in this position where it's like all these ridiculous things have been said or fair things that I'm having to like counter them or like I don't know. So like, it'll be very dramatic here very soon. But um, in general, I love a bit of drama, but I hate the like inter-account drama where it's not about so rare it's more about the people does that make sense it does yeah it does like it's very draining and very boring um i had something else to say on that that was interesting but i think i'll move on will i move on i'll move on um as a newbie to so rare this is from lachlan running sutcliffe that's a nice name uh, as a newbie to so rare, would you recommend prioritizing low budget trading or chucking a team together for one of the limited competitions? Go and check out my bloody beginners tutorials, Lachlan. I talk about this all the time. But Hendo, what would you do? Uh, I guess I'll bring my unique perspective to it. Why not? Uh, yeah, it. I, it depends how much time you've got, isn't it? So we were we were talking about this kind of off off air, just about like how much time do you have to do research each week. How much time? I mean, injury stuff's quite easy, I think, because you, you kind of you've got if you've got a smaller gallery, you'll know who's injured, who's not, and if they do get injured, maybe if you're under the doubt, you can put them in a more punty lineup or whatever it might be, right? Um, or do what I've kind of done, start to build stacks so that I mean, you can if if they're if they're out, it kind of kills that stack that they would have been with anyway. Uh, whereas if you're starting to think, right, okay, I need to look at trading, I've not got any experience with limited trading at all, so I feel like. Mm. I think is is it more sort of form driven? Would you say than anything else? Like in terms of the the thing the thing with limited trading is the peaks and troughs are much higher because the liquidity is so much higher, and people are constantly undercutting each other. And if something happens, people are there's more people within that budget that can go and snap by a guy. So, for example, like I'm actually interested in this because I went and bought a Maxim de Kuiper the other day. This is a let me see. This is a kid who's. 21 years old, was at the Bruges, played at Bruges when he was younger. I bought him. I was tipped to buy him off the same guy who told me to buy De Kaiser um, and told me to buy a couple of other players. And I bought this Maxime De Kuyper for next to nothing off Pavel, got him in a trade. Same with Luca Oyen, actually, was one he tipped as well. So he tipped yeah. me a couple of belters, um, even though Oyen unfortunately got an injury. Now, Maxime De Kuyper has... He went, and if you look at his scores, Zell 567, he's banged in 188 back-to-back. He's on fire at Westerloo, right? 
And in terms of his rare price, you know, I went in and bought one straight off the market, 295, thinking I'll flip this for 0.3, whatever. You know what actually cost me um, initially? I think the um, there was three bought after me, one peaked at 0.35, and that was like five minutes after me. Mm. The transfer and progress, I went to list immediately at floor. The transfer and progress wouldn't let me. So I would have literally made not 0.05 within minutes. Yeah. Um, but the transfer and progress cost me. And now I could probably sell for like a 20, 30 quid profit. There's been a few sales since. I'm I'm taking much longer to answer this. But if we look at this from like a limited perspective and we look at it maybe in euros, at the same time, you know, someone bought one for 60 quid and someone else bought one for 61 quid. And they were sold for like 90 quid within a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Like that's a 50% win. That's a 50% gain because the volatility is so much more and there's so many more buyers that like if something happens, there's many more people who are beginners as well and lower budgets who's going, give me him, give me him. Whereas at Rare, it's a bit more of an established market. And I don't feel it's quite as like chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, So limited as a whole, in my opinion, there's much more to be made, but there's also much more to be lost because if something goes wrong, everyone just undercuts each other, shits themselves. Yeah. End so of the day, if you've of... got if you've got a small if you've got a small enough budget and you think that you're a decent enough trader, then just try it with a small budget, and then mm-hmm. from there you can you can say right, okay, actually that doesn't work for me. I know it doesn't work for me because I don't have the time to put into trades, and I don't have live TV, so I'm constantly like I've not got great phone signal either, so I'm constantly behind with updates, so I can't react off news. And if you're going to be trading in that way, you really need to have like you need to be up to date. You need to be. Uh, refreshing things all the time. You need to have your like, you really have your finger on the pulse. That's not me. So I've kind of just said, right, I'm going to focus on quality. I'm going to build my team. I've always kind of focused on meeting thresholds. So when I was starting to miss a lot of thresholds, which is silly because it's basically free money um, for just playing your team and beating the game. I was like, right, I need to make some reinforcements in terms of that threshold team to stop missing it. Yeah. Um, and then since then, I've barely missed one to that point. So yeah, just find out what you're good at and what, depending on how much time you've got and then you can decide for yourself but my my personal opinion would be possibly possibly have a chunk for both if you've got enough money if not my preference is always just to build a team and kind of go off there but if you don't have a good enough if you don't have a high enough budget to build a, a good team that can compete straight away then possibly trading up to it might be might be a good way to go yeah i, I think like anyone under it depends because they're very different buzzes as well like some people enjoy trading some people enjoy fantasy some people enjoy nerding out over data and you can buy very very cheap underdog limiteds and stuff for for very cheap um that might have a good fixture might be coming back into a team if you really like digging in and going full-blown football manager whatever it is nerd mode you know trading could be fun uh, or the fantasy could be fun everything could be fun it depends what you're into as well basically what i'm getting at is it depends what you're into but on a lower budget i would typically say if you actually want to accumulate a bit of a budget you're probably not going to yield as quickly at, at the SO5 with a 50 quid budget as you will with trading. The opportunity and the upside, I think, in trading is just way bigger. So it depends what you're into, but that's kind of where what my opinion would be. Mm. Uh, one or two more quick questions and we'll wrap up, Hendo. So first one, or second, last one. Last one, actually, is from, is it? Oh, no, there's two. Um, Fox is X, uh, Fox is 11 with a budget of 1.5k, roughly around 1.3. Would you target high-end limited team or a rare team? that can occasionally pick up a tier three or tier two. I personally would just build a threshold team, but yeah, yeah I'd be the same. It, so I think like literally just had the last two thresholds come through as like 0.07 ETH, somewhere around there. Like that's over the last couple of weeks. 
Um, if you, and that's, I mean, if you've got good enough players and they're, they're in form and stuff like that, you can do it without a goalkeeper. Um, and then again, if you start to use the thresholds, start building out depth to that, you can start building underdog teams. You can start building really competitive underdog. You can probably build an underdog lineup from one threshold. Um, yeah. that could potentially compete in underdog uh, limited, and then you can maybe start building out depth for rares. And then once you've got enough depth, you can start entering underdog rare because you don't need a goalkeeper mm. for it. So off the back of maybe having one goalkeeper in there, you can actually probably build out three lineups within a couple of months. And then those three lineups can maybe start winning your other cards. If you bang one week in the underdog, could potentially get you a card that sort of propels you like quite a long way. Yeah. Um, now that's obviously optimistic thinking. Everybody will be thinking that. But at the same time, it, yeah, exactly. Even if you're then thinking, right, for a while, I just want to start turning that threshold, then you can start taking it out. If it's if you're hitting the bottom level each week, which is really achievable, with, if you can get four cards on the pitch and maybe not have a goalkeeper, you can hit that bottom threshold. You can start making a little bit out of it. That's yeah. what I would do. I think like the, the one piece of advice here that I always give to people, I get these DMs literally every day. It goes back to that, what are you here for? If you're here to make money, I think you probably have to go threshold. If you're here to have fun with that balance, you could build a really fun limited team or three. As you you know, you could go and build three stacks, maybe two, three stacks, four stacks, five stacks. You could build a little weird Getafe or I don't know pick a random team Monaco stack probably for that you, there you go there's champion if you're a Monaco fan go and do that maybe maybe you're into um Heron Vein go and build one of their stacks and then build a wee all-star one and then build an Asian you could literally build like three four five limited stacks with that or just buy one premium one and you could probably build I don't know how much to be fair now what a PSG one would cost probably not worth it without an Mbappe or like a, a, a Munich one but you could buy like a PSV stack maybe or like a Feyenoord stack maybe you know you could do that and that might be way more fun but it depends on what you find fun watching mm. your team or watching elite teams be more fun but the chances because they're so competitive at limited you're maybe not going to make as much money as the ga- borderline guaranteed 25-50 quid a week will rack up to over the course of a season yep. the last one um, I don't want to take too long going through the whole thing to be fair but it's an interesting one from Scott Blair a bit different as well not necessarily so related if you had to pick an 11 with nationality based positions for example Brazilian left back Italian centre back who would you choose and why part of me wants to change that but no we have to stick with it I suppose Um, so like goalkeeper I'm going to go German is this all time? I don't even know just in your head like what sticks out at you you had to pick you have to been a, been a good few Dutch goalkeepers, I guess. Some been some good ones. There's been some shit ones as well. Yeah, great shot, yeah. Uh, uh, nah, I just we'll, think... we'll go for Spain. We'll go for Spain. Spain. I mean, Spain's going to be in a lot of this, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Brazil, yeah. Brazilian goalkeepers can be good. Yeah, Casillas was always like one of my... He was like my favourite yeah. keeper growing up, so like, I always kind of associate him. He has been quite good. They've had a lot of good goalkeepers and been kept out of the team. Um, yeah. Probably objectively, yeah. I think Germany's probably a good shout, John. They've had a lot of I think there's top, I think top goalkeepers maybe are... Yeah, but even like across the board, there's good. Yeah, down in Denmark, the Schmeichels. I don't know. They are Danish. I you know, always <laughs> yeah, mix yeah. up Denmark and Norway anyway, and I always mix up Austria and Switzerland. Um, okay, like left back, I think Brazilian is actually a good shout with the old Carlos and whatever else. But maybe yeah, you're going to say well, Scotland, are you? Nah, <laughs> well, could, it, it really, it really could be Scotland to be honest. Yeah, you've got yeah. Robertson, Tierney, and Hickey at the moment. Um, I think that still- this is where Scotland make it in, if anywhere. So, yeah, fuck it. I'll go for Scotland. Yeah, 
fair enough. Centre backs, not English. I go, go for Italy, probably. <laughs> Italy would sort of stick in my yeah. mind having the best. Like Cannavaro's won the Ballon d'Or, he's the only, only defender really to do it, other than I guess you could say yeah. Beckenbauer. Um, and then Maldini. Uh, yeah, I think it's Italy is the the obvious one there. Right back, I'm going to actually give it to the English. If you're going right now, yeah, you can't really yeah. deny. Um, I know it's all time and whatever else, but I'm going to like... go Brazil as well, just to be different. So obviously, Cafu and Danny Alves, I think they're two of the best right backs ever. So don't yeah. think Trent and Reese James can hold a candle to them personally. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's. That's just been a bit hipster. Uh, no, no, but you're you're right. Like, I mean, it is very much one of those. I don't think there's any right answers here, but like, you know, just like, even there's the the Wambasakas who would make it into a lot of international teams. Kieran Trippier is amazing at the minute. Trent, Reese James, Kyle Walker doesn't even get a shout, even though he starts for Man City every week. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess um, if we look, I guess you could always go like current and and then past as well. Um, yeah, look at look at that yeah. view. Set, set, term, are we, what we're doing, what we're doing midfield, are we doing like? We're doing four four two. We're doing four three three. Are we doing giving so a different a nation one. for each position? I, I think a shoe in for centre mid has to be Croatia. Surely, they've had so many. Like that's that yeah. is the main strength of their team has always been centre mids, and then Spain as well. Obviously, like because of their gory sort of years, and they seem to always just produce like ridiculously technically gifted midfielders. And now you've got yeah. Pedri and Gavi were just unbelievable the other night. But then I mean, like you look fantastic. at, we haven't even mentioned France. France could be every position. I mean, if you Fine. look at France's, the midfielders are churning out over the last. If you're looking for a defensive mid, you go like Magalele, you go Kante, you go whatever. And then even at the minute with the Camavingas and Shimenis coming through, and that's not even mentioning guys who like are already there for them. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'd back those three and maybe have Germany over Croatia, possibly. Germany, obviously, mm. a lot of technically good centre mids, maybe. Maybe slightly less so, but again, you've got Kimmich now, and you've got like Goretzka, and you know a, a lot of good talent. So yeah, maybe name over Croatia. I was just thinking like Croatia's particular strong point has been centre mid yeah. because they've had a, a couple of world class. Brozovic and Modric and yeah, Kovacic. Um, Kovacic, yeah. Left, left. Let's go left wing slash mid. Uh, well, this is where you're starting to ask questions. Isn't it? Um, there's just so many, isn't there? There's just, so, there's just so many because so, there've been loads for like random nations as well. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a really tough one. Maybe just go like go safe. South possibly. Korea after that hat trick <laughs> for Son. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I was thinking, um, maybe like maybe like safe. But like I don't know. Brazil have had quite a lot of good ones back in the day. Brazil's kind of yeah. it could be anywhere here. France Where was, was Ronaldinho kind of left wing, wasn't he? Kinda, yeah. Number ten left wing. Yeah, a lot of these players are interchangeable, weren't they? Yeah, Neymar yeah. now. So let's let's go Brazil. Yeah, and then right wing Egypt. <laughs> Just like, yeah, let's, let's go Egypt. Yeah, why not? Uh, that <laughs> sounds good to me. The English are saying, David Beckham. David <laughs> Beckham. Um, I don't know. I wonder, could Ireland get any of these? Maybe I could have like had a scrap for like centre mid. For Oh no, actually, striker will go for, at international level, we'll go for the guy with the most international goals. Or did Ronaldo recently break that? Remember Robbie Keane had the most international goals or something, didn't he? Did he? I thought, it was, the, I thought it was the lad from... Ah, uh, closer. Think enough. I thought it was the, the Arabian guy. I don't know. Robbie Keane had some international world record or something I'll put in here. Robbie Keane had something going on. Yes, yeah, so it was Robbie Ali Dia. It was Ali Dia that Cristiano Ronaldo overtook. So he had 109. Ronaldo's only got 117. I think for that alone we've got to give it to Portugal, no? Did I say there's could be Argentina. I remember Argentina back in the day on um Ah yeah. On used to play on FIFA and they used to have like 
six attackers and the rest of the team was terrible. Yeah, you would play like, like Di Maria, Aguero, <laughs> like Messi. You'd you'd have them all Tevez, in there. Tevez, Tevez, yeah. and all these people. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll back Argentina. Why not? It was actually sick, but then like they didn't have a defender. They just didn't have a, a guy who could defend. Ro- there was always Ro- like. Robbie Keane's uh, joint 24th on this list, just in case you're wondering. There's some record he has. There's something he has. It might be, I don't know what it is. Or maybe we just tell ourselves that here. But anyway, Hendo, we've got the 137 game to wrap up with. So the, the current pot is at 302 quid. Uh, Magetic and Dottieth, uh, last time when he was on a couple of weeks ago, we didn't do it with uh, LG Doucette last week, picked Vinicius Jr., who you'll have a little place in your heart for, and Malo Gusto, who I won at Limited last week and gave away. And they combined for 115 points. I think that was in game week 304. Uh, 115 combined, which okay. was 20, 22 off the total, which means 28 quid into the pot. So I'm at 302 euro. Pick two, you're in an awkward one. I just dropped the pen, by the way, uh, because of the international break. But I suppose we'll go for the weekend. Um, 306, isn't it? No, 308. So oh, yes, okay. I'm, I mean, I'm going to pick Scotland players, obviously. Um, yeah. That I think is quite obvious. Uh, who am I going to pick though? Uh, Rob injured. Rob was injured. Uh, do you know what? We'll go for Cal McGregor because he's got a Soria card, and I, I have it. Um, and we will also go for who have we got? We've got Ukraine in that game, have we not? Oh no, we've got Ireland. Oh, do you know what? We'll go for a Craig Gordon clean sheet. Then why not? We'll have Craig Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> good bet Craig Gordon and McGregor alright well Hendo best of luck people can find you on Twitter at uh, at Hendo so rare would mm. you like to be found anywhere else you doing anything else these days not not really yeah there's always plans to maybe have you go to YouTube but just too busy these days one thing I will say if anyone's wanting a little light reading um, there was a little blog post I'll maybe try and pin it or something on my Twitter and it was just uh, Mickey Amin versus Andy Robertson it was from quite a while ago I remember um, you bringing this up to me. Did we talk about this last time you were here? Yeah, I think so. It was just a little case study. Um, and again, yeah. it's just it's just nice to look back and see how, how Surreal's kind of came on from them. Um, I'll maybe pin that one if anyone's wanting a bit of light reading. It's only a, a three or four minute read. But it just kind of, if anyone's ever thinking about sort of global versus any other divisions and maybe if you're on a sort of smaller budget, it just gives you a bit of perspective about how these players can score. And we've already mentioned yeah. it on this podcast about, um, about their viability in All-Star. So yeah, maybe have a little read of that. Cool. Go and check out at Hendo Sorare. He'll be tagged on my my Twitter if you follow me already, and he'll have it pinned. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please leave a review wherever you're listening. Drop a like if you're on YouTube, and subscribe wherever you are. You can find us both on Twitter, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Bye bye. Thank you.